are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. She decided to punch me in the tip. That was a traumatizing experience for me. I don't know why I've included that part of the match. But I guess if I have to have all of it, I have to have that bit. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. Hailing from Belfast, Northern Ireland, the leader of the uprising and the reigning and defending three-time Eve champion, this is the Fighting Irish, Rhea O'Reilly. The Fighting Irish doesn't need any introduction. I am the most dominant champion in pro wrestling Eve history. Go for another one! Let's go! I'll be honest, I don't believe a single person up in that locker room currently deserves a shot at my title. Rhea O'Reilly, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm glad we are finally able to actually record this podcast, Tom, because we were meant to do it a few weeks ago. (laughs) The greatest excuse I've ever had for somebody unable to make it to a Desert Island Graps recording was, I have lost my voice at the theme park. (laughs) Yes, um, yes, I did. I had to message you and be like, I need to warn you, I might not be able to record as I've lost my voice through screaming on roller coasters. It was so cathartic. I love roller coasters anyway. It's always fun. But I think I was just letting out, you know, the internal ah of everything we've been experiencing over the last few months. Can you remember? Because I always find whenever I lose my voice, there is a particular moment almost where you feel the doing of the vocal cord is there a particular ride where you went ah i've I've buggered it here i've lost my voice you know what no i i was i had the best time i was just going on everything screaming my lungs out totally normal it wasn't until the next morning i woke up and like said something out loud and nothing came out (laughs) I i was like oh oopsies 
that said <laughs> but i was like it was worth it it's fine <laughs> what's uh what's a dream roller coaster ride for rio o'reilly oh i just, i love a lot of I love a lot of roller coasters. Um, there's a lot, I, I've still never been on a wooden roller coaster, and that is definitely like on my bucket list. Um, but uh, some of my favourites, um, I love the Aerosmith roller coaster at uh, Disneyland Paris is really great, um, and uh, I love the Hulk at uh, Universal in Florida, and I think my favourite at Thorpe Park is. Oh, it's either Nemesis Inferno or Colossus. It's the old school ones. Now, I've never been to Alton Towers, so that is also on my to-do list for this year. You know, I've only been in England for like 12 years, so uh, <laughs> it's about time I got there. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I am ready to conquer more of the UK's great roller coasters. Would you like to think of yourself as a bit of a theme park junkie, or is this just oh, a thing? absolutely. I absolutely love them. I try to go to them any, any, any which way I can, any, any trips I can go on. Um, I just I love the I don't know I love the feeling and and I love roller coasters and I also love any kind of ride that spins you around the only ones I don't really like are those ones where you go up and then you drop back down but no, no, it, no which is ridiculous because I do hate those rides however my favourite Disney ride is uh, Tower of Terror, which is a vertical drop ride, um, so it makes no sense. It's not logical. Um, but any any other vertical drop ride apart from Tower of Terror is my worst ride ever. <laughs> <laughs> We're sending you onto a desert island, Ria. Set, set the scene. Tell me about this desert island. It Tell is, me. It is a it is a, a a a crisp evening in the middle of summertime. You stare out at the Atlantic Ocean. You have swathes of beautiful golden sand at your feet. Mm, lovely. Sometimes some crabs. Watch out for them. Uh, and as the, you watch the sun go down, to your left you have a, oh, yes. a crackling campfire. Um, there was an arsehole that played the guitar, but we've eaten him by this point. Fantastic. Good. Yeah. <laughs> to the right you have a conveniently set up a, a classic uh television dvd combo from off of the noughties and we have given you to put into said tv dvd combo a a burnable dvd containing three wrestling matches uh, that you would love to watch whilst you are stranded on a desert island and it is up to you to decide what three matches go on to said dvd so ria what would you like your first wrestling match to be Ooh. This is very exciting. Um, yeah. I've just, um, just to let you know, I've just uh, an additional. I have uh, cut down a coconut. I have uh, chopped it in half, and I have brewed my own form of interesting alcoholic beverage to make a, a desert island cocktail. Have you put a curly straw into said coconut? No, but it does have one of those little paper umbrellas. Excellent. That's yes. Fine. I, I take them, take them everywhere. I always have one with me, just in case. Uh, just in I am case, on a desert you know, island. Just in case you have pints yes. of lager jazzing up. Well, that's true. Yeah, you know, but but especially you know, in case I'm on a desert island where I'm sitting down to relax and watch some wrestling. Um, but yes, back to the DVD. Uh, I, uh, I am my first match. Uh, I've gone with uh, one of my favourite matches. I've ever 
experience live. Uh, so that's the one I went with. And it is from WrestleMania 25, which was the first WrestleMania I went to. And it was uh, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Now, before we get into uh, the match itself, this was the first WrestleMania, as you say, that you attended live. Can you talk yeah. us through um, the, arriving at the venue and the, and the feeling that you had being a part of WrestleMania for the first time? Oh, my goodness. It was absolutely amazing. So it was really special as well because um, it was just after I had started sort of my wrestling training and my uh uh, been up uh, to Lance Storm School in Canada. I trained. Um, I'd come home. I'd started doing some training here in the UK. Um, you know, I was really starting to make like becoming a wrestler a reality. And then I was off to WrestleMania. So it was it was so exciting. And it wasn't just that event, but the whole weekend. You know, I did access. I went to um, indie wrestling shows. There wasn't quite the like whole like WrestleCon and WWN experience then, but like I saw two Ring of Honor shows and. It was it was absolutely amazing. And then when I got to the venue, I have never been in a venue that big in my entire life. And I could not comprehend, my tiny brain could not comprehend this many people in one place for anything. Never mind coming to see people pretending to fight. And it was absolutely amazing. Is there a moment that stands out to you that just took your breath away? Well... I'm very lucky that I did see The Undertaker alive a couple of times before this had happened. So I knew what I was in for as soon as the dung hit. I, I swear, the second that noise hit, the atmosphere in the entire stadium just completely changed. It was like there was electricity coursing through the building. It was It was like amazing. Like thinking about it, I still get goosebumps. And it was like... What over ten years ago? So, um, it, it, just from the moment that happened, the hype video, I never ever forget the the line that it like finished with, which was the Undertaker uh, going to Shawn Michaels. It can be hell getting into heaven, and I'm just like, yes, I'm so excited. I think WWE do those hype videos so well. So from the moment that entrance happened, I was like, oh, I know this is going to be sick. This is going to be absolutely amazing. Um. And I and I genuinely was convinced that the streak might be ending, and I was going to be there, and it was going to be like mind blowing. Um, so I was I was so on the edge of my seat before they even did anything, before the bell even rang. I was like, ah. So yeah, to say I was excited is an understatement. Is there something from that match that maybe you missed live that when you watched it again you appreciated? The whole match is so great. I think one of the things in it, like, they just, you can tell that they just, they want to beat each other. From the moment that the bell rings and they start, this isn't about having, like, um, the most technical match or, you know, showing off, like, spots that are going to be, like, gift forever. It was, like, I want to beat you. And that, it was, that made it so exciting. Um, You know, from the outset, it was just, you could feel that there was that real competitive edge was exciting. Um, there are things that I think I, I I remember distinctly. The Undertaker does a dive in this match where I thought he was going to die. Hmm. Um, so he does a dive, and I have watched it back since. And, yeah, he dives out of the ring and somehow ends up completely vertical, head first for the floor. And you're just like, you're a tall man. He dives over the top rope, and then it's like, 
I don't know. He has this perfect trajectory, and for all of us, for some bizarre reason, his whole body just rotates by 90 degrees, and you're like, no! And if you ever watch this match back, like on the network, they replay it so many times, and it's just, it feels more gross to watch it every single time. <laughs> but um, but the, the the defining moment for me, the, the, the just, like, like, sold the whole match and again made me go the streaks in the end is when um undertaker he hits that first tombstone on Shawn michaels and Shawn michaels kicks out and the undertaker's face it's just complete disbelief he cannot believe this has happened he cannot believe it. he's he's already done like a million moves to Shawn michaels and at this point it, it's like he just does he can't even understand what's going on and why he hasn't just won and uh, in that moment i was like the streak's gonna end ah! and um yeah it's just it's just so smart um and the, the like sort of back and forth with the moves is it's, it's just it's just perfect sometimes you know matches they just have like too much or that like end sequence just goes on and on and on and it, it can be exciting and it can keep you like suspenseful but like i think they just they they hit it on the head for me it was the perfect length the perfect sort of tease of the finish um yeah love it uh this was a show that dates back to 2009 uh, at that point sort of pro wrestling eve wasn't even a thing and you am i right in thinking that we, we were still at a point where you hadn't officially debuted yet no i hadn't even had my first like match on a trainee show or anything at this point so i was still definitely a total trainee when i went to this show were you a, how long were you a wrestling fan before the penny dropped and you went this is what i want to do for a, a career for a thing gosh well i i came to wrestling like a little bit later i didn't watch it when i was a kid it was when i was in um, secondary school um i started watching wrestling i think i was around like anna and you know i i loved it. i'd never seen anything like it and i just i loved the physicality of it i love the theatrics of it i just uh, the characters and and just i fell in love with wrestling pretty much straight away and um i did all those sort of like things that you do as a teenager like i was in an e-fed um which i don't think those exist anymore i don't know there's probably different versions of that but you know it was like uh role-playing wrestlers in yahoo groups um, I remember is, this. No, I, I yes. was I was familiar with this. So when you e fed it, we've got to dig into this. We've got to deep dive into yeah. this. Um your who was your character in, in the E Fed? So um so me and my my best friend and like wrestling friend, um, we were huge fans of DX. Um so we and um, we loved the New Age Outlaws and we decided we wanted to be a tag team. Um so we were Street Puppy, which was me, and Miss Ass, which was her uh yes we went there street puppy <laughs> street puppy instead amazing. of road dog amazing so, so i was street puppy and she was miss ass and we were the we were the cool age outlaws <laughs> i love it i love it true story um who was writing the promos for the e-fed oh i think you know do you know what i think we did a we did a good combo it was a lot of collaborative work um and you know we you know i had a long career it was going well uh unfortunately miss ass did retire long before street puppy uh street puppy went on to have an illustrious illustrious career until i was in an electric steel cage match and uh, got electrocuted to death and that was that was the end of my e-fed career 
Are you still in contact with Miss Ass? No, sadly. Uh, our lives have just diverged. Uh, when I moved to England, we kind of lost touch. But, you know, Miss Ass, if you're out there, feel free to get in touch. <laughs> Let's have a reunion. We are looking for Miss Ass today on Desert Island Grass. <laughs> Please reach out. Who is it that... Um, was it... Was it it was was there someone before Miss Ass that got you into wrestling? Can you remember the first time that you watched it? It was around her house actually. Um the first time I saw wrestling, it was I'm gonna guess it was like a Sunday night heat or something like that. Um and the first wrestlers I saw were the brood and I I loved vampires. So I was like this is awesome and uh, edge was the tallest so he was my favorite uh, and that's why i picked him um so yeah those were their first wrestlers i and i was really into brood i thought they were so cool uh I, even though i wasn't really a goth but uh but i was rocking that vampire that vampire vibe so it was uh, i enjoyed it so i was really really into them and um and i didn't really pay attention to like women in wrestling too much uh, uh until trish stratus came along and i hated her so so much um that it made me love women in wrestling because she was the first this sounds odd but she was the first woman that made me feel like that huge emotional passionate connection um that i'd had you know with male wrestlers where i loved them and i hated them and whatever but i never experienced that with a woman until trish came along and uh and when I saw when she she uh, was managing at TNA and they feuded with the Dudleys and she went through a table, that was like that was the pinnacle moment where I went, maybe I want to be involved in wrestling. I don't know if I wanted to be a wrestler right then, but I saw that there was a place for women to create the same sort of buzz and excitement and moments in wrestling that men could. There was consideration for you becoming a vet, wasn't there? Was there anything else besides maybe wanted to be a vet that you wanted to pursue as a career i don't know do you know it's really weird when i look back at it i don't really remember much i did a lot of drama when i was younger and i think i never i never thought about doing it as a career because every tv show and movie where someone wants to be an actor they're just a, a waiting staff and so i just was like oh, i don't i don't really want to do that <laughs> so um i don't know i never really uh had a big career plan i mean when i was at school i i told like we, we didn't really have like career sessions and stuff but i did i did say you know oh, i want to be a wrestler and they just laughed at me so that wasn't uh something they were going to help me pursue as such um but i did i went to university to do like um psychology and i was really interested in like criminal and forensic psychology and uh, mostly because I love like crime TV and books, um, <laughs> and uh, which probably isn't the best basis for a career, but I thought it was interesting, um, and so I went and did that and and absolutely loved it. And it, it's something you know, who knows? Maybe I will explore further down the line because it's like an an area that still fascinates me. Um, but you know, you always just hold on to that dream job. You know, ah, uh, you know, I want to be a, a rock star, a movie star. I want to be a professional wrestler. Is there any any time where this sort of passion for forensic psychology and the like has sort of bled into your wrestling life or a wrestling persona or an element of what you do in the ring? I think like studying psychology is always interesting because I think the, like, uh, you know, when you study people, you have a better understanding of how to uh, influence people maybe. And, um, you know, 
to honing in on like knowing how to make people feel things and that doesn't just come from psychology i think uh it sounds silly but no joke it, like i watch a horrendous amount of tv and film and uh and i and i definitely think that really helps with uh wrestling because i i feel like I, you know you develop a really good understanding of like a story and narrative and, and how you can take people on those journeys. Uh, and I certainly pulled sort of little, little bits and pieces over the years from different things that have, um, have sort of maybe inspired character, but just also inspired like story arcs over time as well. What's the most interesting thing you learned uh, in your first few months of psychology? Oh, I mean, I think a lot of stuff, though, you, you learn over the time. And, it, you know, it's something I haven't, like, disappeared from, like, learning from. Like, I'm I'm forever reading articles about stuff now. But, like, I think anyone who does a psychology degree, especially when you start going into, like, psychological disorders, um, you diagnose yourself with almost all of them, um, <laughs> which is, which is um, uh, probably not a good thing. Uh, but I, I think, like, what is, is interesting is that, you you really do get an appreciation for the fact that like all the we're all unique but we're all human and so we all come from sort of those same base places most of us at least um have sort of those base desires needs wants um and then it and then sort of they're fine-tuned by the experiences that we have over life it's really it's really interesting it is interesting you said you talked about evil because you know we did a you know, a whole module and it was about nature nurture and, you know, the the discussions about these things that seemed so futuristic but were happening where they you know, they were piloting studies where they were like you were looking at families in um like council estates that had like the royal criminals, for example, and were like, Do we take these children away? as soon as they're born because otherwise they're going to become criminals and it's nature nurture and all this kind of stuff and you're like you can't predict someone's future based on their genetics or can you and oh i could talk about all these things all day um it was very fascinating and uh but i and i i think like when especially when it comes to like when you're looking at like crime and and stuff like that is you know before I get too serious, wow, this desert island talks got very serious very quick. <laughs> it does is, that from um, time to time. Yeah, is is like, um, you know, I think like ex offenders, um, so people have left prison are some of like the people that um struggle the, struggle the most in society. But we have a prison system because we you know believe that you know people do their time and they come out, but that's not necessarily how we treat those people. And it's like, well, if you don't believe in reform then why do we even have it and it's like a really interesting conversation to have the idea that simply putting somebody uh, at its absolute bare bones the idea of putting somebody in a cell for six months to think about what they did does it necessarily Mm. make them realize what they did was essentially wrong because a lot of the times things like that come from a place of they don't understand why it's wrong yeah, no, absolutely. And, and and I think that like there are definitely serious issues sort of with the prison system in this country and um, you know, we've done volunteer work with people in prison and and it's 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 really interesting. So if you look at somewhere like Norway's a really good example, their prison system is completely different and it's definitely like you go in there to become a better person and come out and their like reoffending rates are like some of the lowest in the world. Um, where, you know, we take a, a 
prison system like we have or like America has um, and reoffending rates are like through the roof. So it's just, you know, there's definitely something there that uh, I feel like needs to needs to change. I don't know. Like there's so many things that I feel <laughs> our country is a little bit broken at times. Um, there's so much stuff we need to work on. But um, yeah, I definitely think, you know, like if you either believe in reform or you don't. And if you do, then your prison system has to reflect that. Out of interest, what is it that the Norway system does that, that, that leads them to, to such great results? Well, there's a, there's a lot of stuff they do. Like, it's a lot freer. There's a lot of moving around. They have a... Um, and, I mean, I don't have, like, all the details, though, but, like, they have a more, like, sense of community within the prison as well. Um, and, and they are, you know, very strong on doing courses and things like that in, within their prisons as well. So, like, one, one thing um, that is quite tricky here is some... Uh, they they used to have these sentences here where you had to complete, you didn't have a time on your sentence, but you had to complete certain courses to leave, but not all prisons would run them. So then you'd have to try and transfer to another prison, but in the time that you apply for your transfer and the time you get there, they might not even be running that course anymore. And then you have to, and so people were spending like ridiculous amounts of time in prison when probably actually they didn't need to be there, but they were just trying to chase these courses that were on their mandatory list but weren't available to them. It, and that blew my mind. I'm like, how can you set someone impossible requirements to to move on? Like, uh, crazy. But yeah, I mean, if anyone's interested in this stuff, like, go and look at, like, Norway's system. It's it's um, it's really interesting. Um, here on the desert island, though, um, <laughs> we just don't have a prison because uh, I am the law. <laughs> You made a decision to to go with with your instincts a little bit and and decide that you know what this wrestling thing I've just seen a lady go through a table who deserved <laughs> yeah. it who properly deserved it I'd like to pursue this even more. Uh, you ended up going via the Storm Wrestling Academy. Where did you first hear about the Storm Wrestling Academy? Well, the the wondrous internet. Um, yes, I I had actually originally um, had plans to go train with the Hearts, um, but unfortunately. Um, by the time I was getting ready to go, they weren't there anymore. So, um, uh, which was really disappointing. And, and then, and then I kind of went, oh, well, I guess I'm not meant to be a wrestler. Uh, and then I went, hold a minute. I can use my dial up internet to find somewhere else to train. Um, so yeah, so I basically went online and literally typed in like wrestling training schools and, got a lot of uh you know lots of different like sort of very you know basic websites coming up lots of different stuff and i just like i looked through loads of them and kind of tried to find anything that anyone had written about training any of them um which i mean the the internet is full of information about this stuff now um going back then like it was still forming and building those opinions on wrestling schools a lot of them were quite new then but um so i, I was i was just looking around and then i don't know i saw lance's school i saw it was you know it was in canada which is where i'd wanted to go train anyway um i always thought he was a you know a fantastic wrestler uh and uh and i just after you know i looked through a bunch of schools i just went for some reason, I just, sometimes it's, again, it was the gut. My gut feeling was like, this is where I'm supposed to go. So I popped him an email and said, hey, I want to come train. And uh, and he said yes. And uh, and then I, yeah, just quit my job, 
told my landlord I was leaving, put all my stuff in storage, and I hopped on a plane. That's an amazing commitment to to a dream, to to have that one email conversation with Lance Storm and just go, I'm leaving my job, I'm leaving my flat, into storage, all my stuff goes, away I go. Was there ever any moment in that in those sort of final weeks before you left that you had any trepidation about your move? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I was like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> um, I think it was funny because when he said yes, I was like, brilliant, this is happening. And then I didn't really believe it. And then I got a letter in the post, like confirming my like acceptance to the school and it had like uh, Landstorm's business card in it. And that was the moment I was like, this is legit. This is happening, um, which was really exciting. And then, you know, there were several months before I actually went and definitely a few times i was like what am i doing this is like i'm gonna travel halfway across the world what if like in my first week i absolutely hate it and my body's like no <laughs> like i don't know what what what's gonna happen but ugh, life's a big adventure and you only get to do it once uh you know i'm a strong believer in that and i think um you have to take these opportunities chances risks whatever you want to call them sometimes because like I think you should only ever regret the things you don't do. So just go do things. I want to talk more about um, your time with Lance Storm in just a moment, but we have another match to add to your DVD. Uh, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker from WrestleMania 25 is on there. What is your second match for the DVD, Rhea? Yeah, well, uh, so it's a different match. Good, because we that's don't want to say that's good to know. <laughs> that would uh, That would be weird. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, so the second match I went for, we're jumping 10 years in uh, into the, well, not into the future from now, 10 years from uh, Undertaker Shawn Michaels. 2019, the venue is the Resistance Gallery in London. And it's another match that um, uh, I had one of my favourite experiences watching, and I got to watch close up. So basically, uh, I suffered... Uh, two injuries i i went without without injury i was doing pretty good for quite a long time then i had a horrible ankle injury came back then i had a horrible knee injury terrible uh heartbreaking however what was great was i got to sit at ringside for a lot of pro wrestling eve shows and uh one of these shows which uh, uh was in march 2019 i can't remember the name of the show she I'm slams on saturdays name. she slams on saturday look at you i feel like you might be uh googling stuff while maybe, i wasn't maybe. here maybe <laughs> no thanks, it's all off the top of my head it's all off the top of my head what are you talking about filling in the filling in the gaps uh was a very exciting match um it was a pure J title match and the international retirement match uh, for Kamam Bolshoi as she defended her title against Leon. Now, with um, before we get into this match, uh, let's talk a little bit about the ankle injury uh, oh. that happened. Can we talk about it? Are we all right to talk oh, about yeah, it? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Is there enough, is there, is there enough water uh, what, under the bridge? What, what happened? I just... Uh, it's one of those things. Why do you... Ne you never get injured doing something cool, do you? Like, is it... <laughs> so, I was... I was having a... I was having a match. Sammy Jane and I were having a bit of a feud for the Eve title. I was the champion. Sammy comes down first, waiting in the ring for me. I come down. And then I'm standing on the front of the ring. And I just, you know, hold the belt up. As you do. Champ. Hello. And Sammy comes running from behind. Smacks into me. Causing me to fall off the apron and break my ankle straight on the floor. 
Um, so what's difficult <laughs> difficult about the the shows at, um, at Eve? The audience is right up against the ring, so you don't have this sort of clear path to the floor that you might have if there was, you know, a, a barricade and an area there. And unfortunately, I just came down really badly and uh, just landed uh, in a gross way, um, and that was that. And that was before the bell even rang. And yes, I did do the whole match. So good times. This match was. Um, th- this is this is one that I've I've seen a few times. And if I'm right in thinking, this is an it's a no DQ match. It's you and Sammy J. It's you and Sammy yes. Jane. This is the night where you use Kota Ibushi as a weapon. True story. Yes. Ah, um... this is phenomenal. And and what's amazing is to hear this story now. And and to know that I, I to watch that match you wouldn't know no. that you were working injured, <laughs> which you know I'm I'm really happy about. I'm very happy that you can't tell. Um, and what was so what happened? You know that happened, and uh, literally as soon as it happened, I went. I don't think I can put weight on my foot. And I was like, this whole match. But Sammy was in the ring. Like, she'd come out and, like, lifted the title off me and was posing in the ring with it. So I had no way to communicate with her. She was really far away. And I was like, I don't think I can stand up. I don't know what to do here. Um, and she came out. She picked me up, threw me into the ring to, like, start the match. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay. So I can put a little bit of weight on this. That's not so bad. Um, so it was like, okay. You know, I think a lot of adrenaline was happening there and plus like my boot was like on quite tight so i think it was holding like everything together this is all i can surmise because i have no idea how i got through that and um, there's a i take a triple dive on the outside like there's a point sammy comes out she dives on me gets back in dives on and like when someone does that they are trusting you with your body you have to get up so you know you just find a way and and as you said yeah later i run up the stairs of the the resistance gallery uh, and bring kotobushi back down uh to punch sammy in the face so you know, there was a lot going on in that match and uh, <laughs> and uh, and i and i love the match dearly which is 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 great because obviously it was a really horrible break that i had afterwards yeah i totally like broke my ankle um I had bruising um, on the and bone, bruising on the leg on the leg bone, and uh, and it was really nice because the the surgeon I spoke to told me it's the hardest bone to break in your ankle, but I did it. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. So, so you know that was good. Um, before we move on and move back to the match itself, um, did a uh, how much did you spoke to Abushi about the spot? Oh, not much. No. Um, <laughs> so we 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 done a show the night before, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, really, you know, enjoyed watching, and we chatted a little bit, and then I literally, uh, I literally just got this idea in my head, and we're like, we should totally use Kota Ibushi as a weapon, and like we talked it through, and I was like, brilliant, yeah, let's do it, and then uh, we kind of just went uh, uh, to it was an XWA show, and I went to Dan Reed, and I was like, Dan. If I was going to use Kota as a weapon, do you think it would be okay? And he went, well, go ask him. And I went, <laughs> all right. So I literally did. I went up and, and sort of uh, tried to explain to him what I wanted to do. And, and yeah, his, his main concern was like, oh, but uh, I won't have been out for my match yet. Is it okay? And I went, yeah, Dan, okay. And he was like, okay. And that was it. <laughs> it was as simple as that. So, um so uh yeah i just didn't he didn't know when it was happening or what exactly was going on but he just knew i was going to come get him and he had to hit her uh, 
know, he's he's great. He's up for he's up for anything. And um and you know, if he's not sure, you can just bribe him with ice cream because he loves ice cream. Any particular uh, flavour? Uh you know, I never I never got that far. But, uh, you know, the promise of ice cream of any kind seemed to be enough. So <laughs> so let's spin on a little bit. Um, you've got through this match with Sammy Jane. Uh, you can watch yes. bits of the match on YouTube, by the way, and I highly recommend that you do so. It's wonderful. Uh, and, and it just blows my mind that you wrestled that with a broken ankle. It's yes. stunning. Go, go, go watch that match now and find out that I had a broken ankle. I, literally, I was on full bed rest. I wasn't even allowed to walk um, with crutches or a boot or anything for a month afterwards. So, yeah, go wash it back. And then She's watching you bum up the stairs with a broken oh, ankle. Oh, I know, I know. It's incredible. That, there, there, was, there was this moment, and you, you like, I, I always remember going, oh, God, I have to go up the stairs. And I think, like, my brain was just like, just get it done. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, go. The, just the get power, it done. The, the power of, the, of, of, of mental strength at points like that is <laughs> yeah. phenomenal. But, uh, or stu- stupidity, stubbornness. Stupidity. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Maybe is the word. Uh, but a few months along, uh, so you're you're resting up now. But as you say, you get to be a part of Pro Wrestling Eve shows. And um, I want to talk a bit more about Pro Wrestling Eve a bit later on. But I want to talk about mm-hmm. this match in particular. So of all the matches that you got to watch uh, whilst you were rehabbing, why does this Pure J Openweight match stand out to you? It completely blew my mind. <laughs> That's like, literally... I, I think... You know, I've I've been so lucky to be a part of like women's wrestling in this country for ten years now, and you know I've seen so many uh, great talents uh, wrestle, and I've seen them do many matches, and so it's uh, it's still always exciting. But it's it, it, there's something extra exciting about seeing someone you ha- you know someone new, someone you haven't seen before, um, and you know I'd seen videos of Bolshoi, you know. Um, she had been wrestling for almost 30 years. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, material out there if you ever want to go check her out. Um, but I'd never seen her live. And, you know, what was really exciting about this, it was, um, you know, it was a, it was a pure giant title match. They'd, you know, signed a contract to permit this match to happen outside of Japan. It was going to be the last chance to see Bolshoi outside of Japan as well. It was very exciting. And the matchup of these two was was particularly exciting because, you know, they've wrestled each other a lot of times. They were also um, tag team uh, partners and tag team champions uh, in Japan as well. So they they knew each other really, really well. And, and I just think that, that can be really exciting. And it just, in, in the sort of build up to this show I just saw so many fans being so excited about seeing these two wrestle that I I think you know I, I fully just jumped on that hype train and I was really excited going into it and it just it did not disappoint it was probably like my it match of the year for 2019 and just to be able to see it that close and like they got me there are there's a photo um, somewhere that a fan posted it and like I shared it and it's um, I was sat beside uh, Emily Reed the former ring announcer for Eve and the two of us like our faces are just full of joy and excitement and we're just like wow um, and it just it just made me feel like a fan like I wasn't like watching this and and uh, you know critiquing her or going oh that was a nice spot or you know whatever i i was just completely turned into a fan when i watched these two wrestle there's no greater moment when you could watch something like that and even when you've worked in the business and you're you're a bit more hypercritical than you were when two people can just have you lose the 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 disbelief in a moment like that 
and a match like that is just stunning. Um, was that your first time seeing Bolshoi and Leon live? Yes, it was. But you were aware of their work previously. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I'd seen a lot of stuff, like um, some matches and clips of matches on YouTube and things like that. Um, but I'd never seen them live. Um, so this is the first time I got to see them. And I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of fantastic talent. We don't we don't need to like explain that to anyone. But there's a lot of fantastic talent in Japan, and um, uh, you know. Their their style of wrestling, you know, is, is is slightly different and it has a different energy to it, and and I think that's just, it's just really exciting, sort of to to almost like have that like bit of culture, like from another country, come and just be right in front of you. Is it's extremely special, and I think as well, like I have moments like that where I go, I I mean I know I made myself sound really old, but I get really excited, I'm like these are two wrestlers from Japan wrestling in the UK, like right in front of me. I'm like, how cool is that? Like, I, just, I, I think like the, sometimes I think we don't appreciate how amazing it is that we can just have that happen. I mean, especially right now, we definitely can't have things like that happen. So I think once they can happen again, I think we might have that sort of little, for a little while, we'll have that buzz of appreciation that that can happen again. uh-huh Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Tell me something that you learned from your very first day with Lance Storm. Wrestling's really hard. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the common answer as well. <laughs> So, like, just, you know, I, I, I dipped my toe in and done a couple of training, uh, little bits of training with FWA when I was a teenager, um, but, like, nothing, like, ongoing or anything. Like that. So, I had sort of this memory in my head of, like, oh, it's challenging, um, but, you know, but, you know, I'm going to be able to do this. It's great. That, that first week was so tough, and I just, I couldn't take a bump, so... 
like falling backwards just for some reason I just couldn't get it clean and I was just like like I had to drill it over and over and over and over and over and I just went if I can't even get this basic thing like how am I gonna ever be able to do anything um luckily I got there um but yeah just the um yeah wrestling is hard and uh what what's really interesting in that first week people dropped out of training and um you know these were people that had traveled across the world and they just were like no i'm good um so it was really i think it was you know it was quite eye-opening i mean that the whole time i was there so i fractured some ribs while i was training as well and um I only take, because I was like this opportunity where I was like, this is like once in a lifetime, you know, you get to do something like this. So, you know, I only took a few days off. Uh, again, uh, you know, is that mental strength or stupidity? We don't know. Um, but like at the end of that, Lance was like, you know, if anything, you've proved that you're tough enough for this business. And, uh, and that, meant, that meant a lot to me. I was like, yay. <laughs> was there any advice away from, obviously, pointing out how tough you are was there any advice that Lance Storm gave you that has stayed with you I might absolutely I think Lance is such a giving human being and one of the things that was really tough like we did we we sat and had a conversation one day about like um all the people he's lost in wrestling all of his friends that he's lost and uh and I think it's really important, like, you know, don't take people for granted because you don't know, like, when they're going to be gone. And um, that's a really heavy sort of piece of <laughs> piece of advice, but it's it's true. And I think, you know, it that really did stick with me. You know, when he could sit and list person after person, and you know, they're not that much older than I am now. Some of them, and and. Uh, to think, you know, and it, yeah, a lot of that, you know, was because of drug use and steroids and all the kind of things that sort of wrestling, in some ways, has moved away from. Um, but but that but it's 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 a it's a big lesson, but I think it's an important one is appreciate people uh, now because you know you, we always see these beautiful outpourings for people, you know, when they pass away, but they can't hear them, and to hear them when they're alive is is really amazing to to know how much uh, you're appreciated by other people. So, yeah, always tell people that you love them. Do you feel like you do that more since the conversation with Lance Storm? Sort of like how has your outlook changed since that conversation with Lance? Yeah, I think definitely. It, um, I guess no one had really, you know, you know, everyone experiences loss in their life. And, you know, I'd had like, um, uh, you know, maybe like a grandparent pass away or whatever, but... Um, I'd never really thought about, like, I hadn't experienced, like, a friend passing away, and I just sort of, you you never think about those things when you're young because you think you're invincible and you you think that, um, you know, nothing can touch you. And uh, and so I think that that really did sort of solidify me that, to me, that, like, um, you know, you need to appreciate every day because you you, you never know what's going to happen in life. Um, and it was something, you know, I kind of had an ethos of before, but um, I certainly cemented it when I was out there because I got a tattoo while I was out there and it's a lyric um, by Hatebreed. And it's sort of not about like, um, 
you know, loving everybody, which I think is super important, put out those positive vibes, but it's also about appreciating every day and thinking about what you do with your days. Um, so I have tattooed on my forearm of if you don't live for something, you'll die for nothing. And, um, which is, you know, heavy. Uh, but, um, and I've had people come up to me and literally grab my arm and be like, I disagree. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Don't get it tattooed on your body. Um, <laughs> fine. Um, uh, but uh, I just think uh, that whole trip, in, in, in fact, just made me go like, and you need to appreciate life and appreciate like every sort of day that you get. And and sometimes you maybe you appreciate that day as you sit on the sofa watching movies and having a chill day all day. It's not about going out and saving the world every day, but it's just going like, you know, don't don't waste your time because you don't know what time you have. <laughs> On to Pro Wrestling Eve. Uh, how did you meet Dan and Emily Reed? Good question. Um, no, <laughs> I believe um, we, originally, we, we originally met because, um, so I was training um, at school in London uh, like once a week and uh, there was, I was the only like regular female trainee. There were other women that came and went, um, but I was training there and I saw um, a, an ad or post on some wrestling forum somewhere for like an all women's training uh, day. Then I got really excited because I didn't really know any like women wrestlers and stuff. So I, I saw that and went, yes, I'm going. And that ended up being like a, essentially sort of like a Eve training day. Though it wasn't Eve. Well, I don't think they called it Eve training. I don't think it was Eve, but they, we, you know, we did a training day and, uh, and I was just so excited. I got to train with a like a, a room of women. I was like, oh my goodness, what? <laughs> so it was really, really exciting. And then um, uh, not long, too long after that, I got a, a you know, a Dan Regan got in contact with me and was like, hey, do you want to, do you want to be on the first Eve show? And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not ready, but yes, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, and yeah, the rest is history. How important is pro wrestling Eve? I think I personally think it's it's hugely important. I think <clears throat> it was it was extremely important, especially ten years ago, because I just feel like there just wasn't representation of women wrestling in in Europe for sure. And and uh, there were some promotions that were really, you know did promote women's wrestling and were, were you know happy to have it, but more often than not, it was there as like a gimmick match, or you know they wanted them to do like be really hot, or they wanted them to just do a bunch of cartwheels and stuff like it wasn't um seen in the same way and so to have a platform where you weren't just the woman's match is really exciting because it opens you up to so many more possibilities i think when you're the only women's match on a show you feel like you're representing all of women's wrestling which is you know no the pressure no one person should have or two people should have um but when you have a show where it's all women then you can be the like technical one you can be the high flyer you can be the comedian you can you know you can be whatever you want instead of just having to fit this like one niche um match so i think it, <clears throat> for that reason you know it's it's been a really important platform and i think for a long time uh there wasn't like a <clears throat> a belt or an accolade within wrestling for women to really strive towards. There wasn't like, I want to be that champion. Uh, and so I think, you know, when Eve started up and created its championship, it, it filled that and it gave you somewhere to work towards, um, which was really, really exciting. 
on, so the first show for Eve uh, was back on the 5th of... Is it the 5th of August? 10th of May. No, 8th of May. Eight, that was, that, oh, the 8th of May, that was it. Now, 8th uh, of May, in yeah, the, 2010. 2010. In the same month, uh, WWE had a pay-per-view in which the the combined minute, minutage of uh, women's action was five minutes and three seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the same month as the debut show of Pro Wrestling Eve, WWE hosted Over the Limit. The only women's match on the show was Eve Torres versus Maurice for the Divas Championship. It was five minutes and three seconds. So Five-star classic. Absolutely. Actually, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. It might have been a great five-minute match, but I bet you that's five minutes and three seconds, including entrances. I would imagine it probably was. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. But so the, the, the point I'm making with, with that is that, like, that's only ten years ago. Was there trepidation from Dan and Emily Reed? bringing in a an all women's product into a main to to a mainstream medium that didn't really fully buy into women's wrestling yet i couldn't tell you you'd need yeah. to ask them um, <laughs> i knew that um dan had previously run there was a he ran shows called check fight which were also uh all women's uh wrestling cards so it wasn't the first time he dipped in his toes into that area and um, for me i don't I ever really thought about it that way i just went which is really naive i don't think i was nervous about it at all i just went oh my god i'm gonna get to like meet all these women wrestlers and then i'm gonna be one <laughs> so um <laughs> i don't think i was um nervous about it at all i don't think i think i was just so nervous about having like my debut match i wasn't thinking about like how the crowd would react if anyone would turn up like any of those things i think yeah and and then the first show was such a success i never thought about it again uh, you're at a point now with Pro Wrestling Eve. You were on the first show for Pro Wrestling Eve, as you say. We are, uh, you, you, we are, three hundred plus days into your reign as Eve champion. Uh, you're also a big part of the Eve Academy, aren't you? Yes, I am indeed. Yeah, so I helped set up the Eve Academy in 2018, and I'm one of the um, co-trainers, uh, coaches there at the school. What, what's been the greatest satisfaction from running the or being part of the Eve Academy? Uh, it's it's really interesting. So obviously, like you know set up we're like yeah we're gonna train people to be wrestlers but what's actually been the most rewarding and amazing thing is just seeing uh trainees grow as people like seeing them like walk out with their heads lifted a little bit higher and feeling a little bit more confident and uh, and just knowing that they're like total badasses um, which is really cool i think you know especially you know it's you know it's not exclusive to women, but especially for women, a lot of the time they're told um, to be small and to be quiet, you know, don't take up space. And, and wrestling is all about taking up space and being loud and, and doing things that you wouldn't normally get to do in your everyday life, you know. And, um, and that's not just like, you know, doing moves and stuff like that. The amount of people that come in and like do a forward roll uh, for the first time in like 20 years and they're like oh my goodness i haven't done this in so long and um just reminding yourself that getting out of your comfort zone um can be good and free and can be exciting and it you know can help you grow as a human um those are those are the things that uh have been really really special um obviously at the moment um a big part of what has been discussed in wrestling is the speaking out movement and uh, yeah. it'd be remiss if uh, we didn't touch on that today mm -hmm. and um you spoke a few times you you, you spoke online uh, about the incident i think that the quote that i take from you 
which days of me is where you say this isn't just about kicking out bad apples this is about changing the mentality of the wrestling industry as a whole um for your for yourself what has been your experience um and you don't have to go into details of, of instance or anything like that i'm just intrigued to know sort of since the speaking out movement started what have you sort of learned about the industry well i think like you know it's it's you know no secret that wrestling's sort of been an inverted commas a boys club for a long time and um i think one of the things that was hard for some of this have been around for a, for longer is kind of you know at first we were like kicking ourselves and being like why haven't we done something about this before and it and then then we in that same breath realized like it's because we didn't feel like we could and um you know it 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 is a it's been a really brave moment that this has happened and you know it is long overdue um i don't it is it's in this weird way where i think you know people are so shocked and surprised but like it's happened in all the rest of the entertainment industry it it was probably something that was going to happen i don't think maybe we realized quite on the scale um of things that were going on but you know i i you know it's not a surprise that something was going on anywhere where there can be that abusive power, then there's a propensity for something like this to happen. Um, it's a lot of work, like it, uh, changing how things are and um, making wrestling a better place. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I think like what is really difficult is everyone just wants these like quick fixes right now. Like what are you going to do right now to fix things? And yes, there are, some things that can be quickly implemented to to make change but to make lasting change it's going to take time uh so you know i've um <clears throat> i have been speaking to equity a lot um along with some other wrestlers about things that you know they're a performers union i have people that don't know and you know most you know they they used to just like be an actors union but now they they um you know cover all sorts of performers and you know we've been having some conversations with them about like what you know what we can do and and there are a lot of people out there um have different projects going on to to try and make the industry better um but i think it's you know lots of people have said like wrestling is based pretty much like the wild west there is no law like there is no regulation and when i tell people outside of wrestling this they're they're always so shocked they're like what do you mean and i'm like yeah so it's um the wake up call the industry needed and i think things you know things have to change things will change it's not going to be easy um but i think there's enough people in wrestling that care about wrestling enough um to fight for it i believe that it's worth fighting for and i think a lot of other wrestlers do too what would you like to see happen um because obviously you say there's a lot of people who want short-term fixes and really the solution is long term we see a lot of companies now who have basically said we're not coming back until either this next year or until this is in a healthier place uh what would you personally like to see happen to stop something like the speaking out movement from happening again well i think like one thing we have to be realistic about is like you can't eradicate this kind of behavior it's always going to exist but what you can do is make sure that you are creating an environment where it's not acceptable where um, and you make it as hard as possible for that to happen. Um, I think, you know, promotions need to get on board with having um, sort of better conditions for wrestlers, um, 
you know, we need to have safeguarding policies in place. There needs to be ways uh, to make a complaint if you need to. Um, you know, just they're just little things that need to change that. And I think there are things that, you know, wrestlers have to agree to as a community. And that is, that's what's really challenging because we're, we're all these like independent little units. And, um, and we still are as we try to fix this. And until we all come together, um, that, that, that's, that, that's when we're going to get like a really good solution. Whether we need some kind of like regulatory body, um, something like that, um, you know, that, that is something that there's a lot of discussion about. Again, that's something that takes a long time to happen. I know that some women were um, able to have a, a conversation with some MPs um, before um, Parliament uh, closed for the summer, um, which is really important because you need that buy-in if you're going to get a regulatory body and things like that. So I think there's a lot of exciting things happening. And I I just think, like, the, the, the important thing is that, like, we start to talk about some of the changes that we want to make before shows come back. And we know that's probably not too, potentially not too far away. Uh, and then I, I think the other big thing is like changing the mentality of wrestling. It comes from the schools. And so I think it's really important that, um, you know, training schools are harboring the right environment and providing the right information to trainees because they are the future of the business. And if you reflect that a certain behavior is okay or not okay, then they're going to think that way. And so for us to sort of perpetuate what is what is right, wrong and wrestling um, from the training school, that should lead to the next generation of wrestling being in a lot better place. Uh, is there anything in particular uh, with the EVE Academy that you would like to see brought in for the trainees? I think what's been really interesting, um, I had um, like a Zoom call with uh, a bunch of the trainees uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, EVE Academy by no you know, new means is perfect. Um, but what was really nice to hear was a lot of them were like, we, we believe that the trainees were saying this, that they believe that EVE Academy is part of the solution and not the problem, which was really nice. And I think, um, you know, a lot of them had said, you know, we didn't really, like, we've always really loved the school and loved training here, but we didn't appreciate how good we had or lucky we were until we started hearing about all these things happening at other schools. And, and um, you know, that was really nice to hear. But again, there's things like we definitely need to work on, um, uh, you know, we want to make sure, you know, we have those safeguarding policies in place um, that we do have like a complaints procedure if people do have concerns and they don't feel like they can come to us um, for some for any reason, um, you know, and having that code of conduct. I think uh, having an official uh, code of conduct um, in place is going to be important now, but I like to think um, that, you know, myself and Greg Burridge, who, you know, I, I teach with, um, are really instilling those the, the values we would want to see um, in wrestling, in the trainees already, maybe just not quite in such an official way. Um, but I think, you know, it is going to be important to have that stuff out there now. Um, just like, it is funny, like, we've always just come into wrestling and, like, sort of treated it this way because it's always the way it's been. But if you went into any other, like, sport or you know entertainment you would have all these like onboarding processes and like um guidelines and handbooks and things like that and it you know wrestling just hasn't ever been that way so we haven't done it and but it's it's time it's time to change absolutely it absolutely is and it's uh, it's it's been incredible to hear so many stories 
and and to see change already starting to happen i feel like it yeah it won't it won't happen overnight but it's great to see those those uncomfortable conversations happening yeah absolutely like it, it is that like you know it's um a double-edged sword you know it is it, it was it is horrible and was horrible especially when those stories were coming out thick and fast but at the same time it was a really great thing because putting that all out in the open meant that we were in a position to really go okay we need to to make change so you know there's um i i said this quote on another po- a podcast um that i did uh sort of about mental health and wrestling but it's a uh, something um i can, still can't remember who said it but like i love this like um even like the worst day has the best moment and i think that like that is really like applicable in this time you know this these awful things have been happening and having it all come out into the open was really hard and it was really difficult and i think we're all still really dealing reeling from it and dealing with it but change will happen as a result of it um so yeah as well as taking with you three wrestling matches i like to spring mm. this on people Rhea. oh no uh-huh um you're also uh, i also like you to take with you a movie an album and a luxury item (laughs) so uh sort of so when you when i say to you you can take a movie with you what's sort of one of the first movies that springs to mind with you fight club excellent can't talk about i love fight club um and I, i don't know if it's the right movie to take no, it is. It's great. Um, I was like, is this a movie I'm going to want to watch a million times? Yeah, it is. Of course it is. Um, I remember uh, seeing the trailer for Fight Club at the cinema. And I like was immediately like, I have to see this film. I have to see this film. This looks so amazing. I'm so excited. I've never seen anything like it. I was like, ah. But I wasn't old enough to go see it when it came out. Um, but my my mum my was, and she went and told me how brilliant it was. Um <laughs> And all her friends told me how brilliant it was. I was like, oh, great. And uh, and I, like, waited and waited and waited for that to come out in home release. And back then, it was like a year before things came out. It was so long. Um, and uh, and uh, a minute came out. I was like, you have to go buy this for me. I have to see it. I have to watch it. And, uh, and then I finally saw it. And it did not disappoint. Like... Uh, it's just I, I absolutely loved the story and the acting's amazing. The soundtrack's phenomenal. Uh, David Fincher is controversial. Is is one of my favorite directors. Uh, just everything about it. Just it just hit at the right moment for me too, and it just, I love it so much. Uh, what about an album? I think I'm going to go with oh, it's, it's so tricky because like you know music and your mood goes together and you want to listen to different things at different times but I'm just I'm going to go with a classic it was 20th anniversary this year um, is Papa Roach Infest um, I'm a I'm a huge Papa Roach fan through and through uh, people are like they still exist and I'm like yeah they do and yeah they still bring out albums and yeah they are still absolutely amazing live and in fact that is the way you should experience them don't listen to them at home go see them at a gig the energy is insane it's brilliant listening to that album I absolutely love that album and also it will bring back all the memories of all the gigs I've been to too which um, where was the gig that you saw Papa Roach at Oh, I mean, I've seen them 
close to 20 times. So, oh wow, okay, <laughs> I've seen them a lot. And um, the first time I saw them was in it was in Dublin in Ireland, and my parents drove me down from Belfast and like dropped me at the venue, and we're like, see you in a few hours, and then to like find them in the car park afterwards. It was great, um, but it, like such an amazing. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Um, but one of the most special times I got to see them at a really small venue in Kingston twice in one day. Uh, so that was really really cool, and. Uh, the lead singer said that my hair was cool, so yeah, that made me happy. <laughs> you never, you never, not. There's never a point where you don't get that buzz when somebody like that acknowledges you. No, I know. It's it's and, and it, what was really funny as well is like um. So I was still um. I mean, I had my knee injury at that point, and I, like I am a down the front of the gig causing chaos kind of person, and uh, and I couldn't because of my knee. And so we were like, me and my friend were like at the back on this like. It wasn't like a, it was just like, it was in this like weird club bit. So there was like a little platform, platform was like, let's get on there. Then we'll have really good view. It'll be great. And so like, actually, if I hadn't been back there, he would never have like shouted out at me. So all worked out in the end. And how about a luxury item, Ria? Oh, this is the trickiest one. Like you can have so many, like luxury item. It could, it could be anything. How dare you surprise me with having to pick a luxury <laughs> item? You know what? I'm going to pick. Um, I have this um, print. Um, it's on my bedside, actually. And it's by an artist called Wiro. And uh, I absolutely love it. And I have it there because it's like this um, girl. She's on a scooter and she's pulling uh, like a little um, truck. And it's got all... Of, it's been like her imagination has exploded out the back of this thing. And I absolutely love it. It makes me really happy and sort of reminds you that like... Your imagination is limitless and you can go out and achieve anything. So maybe I would bring that with me um, to keep me inspired and motivated for uh, how the heck to get off this desert island once I uh, get bored of watching these three matches. When did you discover that picture? Well, um, so I discovered Wero um, through, um, he does this thing, Tiny Stories, but it was through uh, the Hit Record Project, which is this thing that George, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt runs. Um he it's and it's all about like people contributing to each other's art and doing really cool things and they they make they they made a tv series they made a couple of books like they do um illustration and music and film and animation and all sorts of things and it's all these really cool collaborative projects and um you know it's for people to get involved in or you can just be an observer and watch these things sort of come to life and it's really really cool and uh Wiro was one of the artists that like really got involved in that um when i was like kind of um, exploring the platform a lot and um yeah i just followed them into like social media and um i saw this um he posted it on instagram and i just went that's so beautiful and uh yeah and then it came into my life and it was mine forever food on this island though so i hope there's like apart from the person i've already eaten one more match for you uh for, for you ria so we've had um sean michaels and the undertaker from wrestlemania mm-hmm. we have had uh, a belter uh, from pro wrestling eve what is your third and final match so for my third and final match whether it's egotistical or not i went for one of my own matches <laughs> you are the second person in desert island grabs history to go for their own match Congratulations! The Thank second you very ever. Much. Just you and James Storm on this particular oh, yeah. part of the al- of the island. <laughs> well, I'm in good company. Um, well, so I yeah, I decided the the re- and the reason I picked this match is just because 
it, it's a really it was a really special moment for me like you were asking about moments in the ring it was a really special moment for me and so I think when I would watch it back I it would just make me feel like really good and and I would be able to look back at it and go that was an amazing moment and it was an amazing moment for fans too so the third match I have selected um is uh from the it's from last year as well so another 2019 match uh it was from the she won tournament um and it was myself versus Jetta now uh why this uh, one in particular from she won this match is it's very special for a lot of reasons. Um, I, you know, Jet. I had my first ever trainee show match with Jetta. Um, Jet was around in Eve when I started at Eve, and has sort of been, you know, been a part of my wrestling journey um, throughout. So, you know, I, you know, I have, I have a very special bond with her. I respect her a, a, a huge amount, and uh, you know, I think uh, she's a. An amazing performer that sometimes um, gets underlooked, and I don't understand why because I think she's one of the best sort of in, in British wrestling, you know. So, um, so the, ma- the match was really special though because there was a whole build up to this match. So, uh, the She One tournament is a little bit like the G One in Japan, and if that still doesn't make any sense to you, basically it's a points based. Uh, uh, tournament and you have to get the people with the most points go through to the final there we go uh so this was a jet's third year in the in the she won the first year she got no points the second year she got one whole point and this year she was on zero points going into this match it was her last match in the tournament her last chance to score any points and everyone just wanted her to get two points and to do that she would have to beat me so that was the setup for this match. Also, everybody hates me and I'm the champion. There we go. <laughs> everybody loves Jetta, wants her to get these two points, and everyone hates me. The weekend's been very energetic. It's been really exciting. Uh, you know, we, we've had jazz in the tournament. It's been very cool. Um, so so we get to this match, and, uh, and we're like, okay, it's a bit big, 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 big pressure to, like, deliver on this exciting match where Jenna may or may not get two points um, but we get down to the ring uh, very embarrassingly my dad is wearing a Jetta t-shirt uh, mm-hmm. which uh, of course she points out to me she was like everyone hates you even your dad's wearing my shirt um, <laughs> uh, which it resulted in a Rhea's dad chant which was frustrating and hilarious at the same time <laughs> um, so you know there was a lot of build up going into this match and uh, and uh, it was very very exciting. Uh, you know, we got going. We were having a good fight. She decided to punch me in the tip, and then did a ten tip punch count. That was a traumatizing experience for me. I don't know why I've included that part of the match, <laughs> but I guess if I have to have all of it, I have to have that bit. She did legitimately go. You know, these these punches they're gonna hurt. So I was like, okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> But I absolutely love this match. I feel like um, I'm just gonna spoil it. I'm just gonna spoil it. Don't if you're worry gonna about watch it. it. If you're gonna watch it. You're gonna watch it. But there are two specifically special moments in this match. One is, you know, the action spills out into the outside. I'm a bit of a brawler. I like being on the outside. However, in this instance, I do not. Jetta grabbed a can 
from a fan uh, and started smashing it into my knee. Bam, 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 bam. And, uh, and I'm like, get off me. Stop. Roll back into the ring. I'm holding my knee. The, the ref's there. Jet get back in the ring. She's coming for me. And then she sees it not getting up. So then she stops. And then the ref stops. And then the whole crowd stops. I'm crying in that ring. You could hear a pin drop. And it's just this really emotional moment. And uh, and then the referee and Jet start trying to help me get up to my feet. And uh, and I'm struggling. You can see I'm struggling. And then I had a T-bone suplex and bam, Jet, <laughs> screw you. You have to swerve. And I started, <laughs> it was brilliant. And um, I think it was it was really, really special. And it was it was a really difficult call on the weekend because there had been a few legitimate injuries that weekend and it was like oh is this going to be bad taste and I said everyone hates Rhea O'Reilly it's even better if we do this spot and uh, that injury angle was just it was so sweet we hooked everybody and we didn't tell anyone maybe we told I think like three people so no one knew and people thought it was legit and that is chef's kiss beautiful when you can get people like that they hated me in that moment and it was glorious anyway the match continues we keep going on we get down to that last minute i am delivering multiple curb stomps to jetta she is not having a good time uh, I put her into a submission. I'm holding. We're getting to those last few seconds. I'm getting annoyed because if I don't beat her, she's going to get one point, and I don't want that, and that really, really sucks. Um, so I'm doing everything I can, just smashing her face into the floor. I'm like, come on. And then in the last few seconds, uh, she rolls me up. One, two, three, boom, done. What? With literally seconds to spare. And the resistance gallery goes crazy like i have never heard a pop like that in that venue ever and it was funny the the guy who does the bar at the venue literally came up later and went i have never heard this venue that loud and they were just so stoked for her to get those two points and uh and it was just like a really special moment to have and the fact that i got to share it with her and that we managed to like work that crowd so well was just really really special what i love is the 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 passion that you guys had in putting that match together um is it resonates even now but in the way that you tell that story i can't see you and the people listening can't see you but you can tell how animated you are in 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 talking about it again. Uh, this is this is what we talk about when uh, when wrestling is brilliant and wrestling gets you, especially when you're now in on the fix, if you were. And uh, that what I love is when you hear that, and you can still hear how how beautifully it resonates with you. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was just really special, and the fact that we did it, we were like, yes, we got him, and it was so good, and like, and that's what's what's great is you. Th- those are the moments that. I wrestle for because like what I love so much about wrestling is being able to make people forget about whatever's going on in their lives for, for, you know, even just a few minutes for that time that I'm in the ring. And when, when you have that, like no one's thinking about like the bills they got to pay or the job they get or the, 
like relationship is breaking down or anything else that could be going on in their life in those moments you're in those moments and I think to be able to do that for someone is really really special and so like that's why things like that are so important to me two questions before you go uh number one what is the best way to enjoy a hexaflexagon oh my goodness yes <laughs> everyone needs to get on youtube and just type in hexaflexagon your life will be changed forever i don't want to spoil it more than that i do have a t-shirt all about hexaflexagons i'll try and post a picture soon please do and where can people find out all about you Ria? i am most active on twitter where I am at RD Pixie. I had Twitter long before I was a wrestler and uh, was too stubborn to change my handle. So it's, yeah, at RD Pixie. That's me. But if you type in Rio O'Reilly, you'll find me. Um, I'm on Instagram more traditionally as Rio O'Reilly. Uh, so you can find me there too. Um, but yeah, I'm always up for a chat and a natter. Um, so yeah, get in touch. <laughs> Reach out and then once and then share thoughts on hexaflexagons among other things. Yes, absolutely. I will talk about those. I'm also a big comic book fan, a horror movie fan, and uh, all sorts. Yes, <laughs> I, and I've, I really, do you know what? As well, during lockdown, I've rediscovered my love of like click and point adventure games. <gasps> oh, so, which um, ones are you playing? Um, well, so uh, I but, uh, there's a game I followed for ages, um, and it's uh, Luna, Luna the Shadow Moon, and it came out in February. And but then like life was really busy, and I didn't get to play it. And I have just been playing it recently, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And there's also a game coming out which I played the demo and the pre-story of called Welcome to Elk, which just is a bit mental but i'm really really excited for it um so those are the games i've been checking out recently um but i feel like you know i haven't played any in like the last i'm gonna say like five years so if anyone wants to send me any recommendations of what i've missed out on please send them my way well i in terms of recent one personally i i'd like to shout up to you it's not a recent one but it's a classic and it's uh, it's a it's a piece of ms dos gold that is available on playstation 4's playstation now it's day of the tentacle Oh, uh, yes. Oh, no. Yeah, you don't need to recommend that to me, my friend. You're on it. Uh, Excellent. Day of the Tentacle was like my gateway game when I was a kid. Oh, I I don't think I could put I, that in the crowd, John. Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, I don't need to I don't need to sell sell you Sam and Max then. No, absolutely not. We're all, we're on board. We're on board. But yes, I am. I'm up for all the recommendations because I'm just flying through them now with, with joy. Absolutely brilliant. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hold up. 